everybody. Welcome to the Yamcast. My name is Erica. And I am Chris. Yam actually stands for Young Adult Ministry. So the goal of this podcast is to talk about college and young adult ministry and how to effectively do that. Yeah. And the music in our episode is from our lovely friend Brian Nielsen and James DeWall. He just makes us sound so good. Episode 11, coming at you. You know who episode 11 is about? I uh, doubt you do. As my buddy Elton once said, Bimmy! <laughs> Bimmy! Bimmy and the Jephthah! Mm-hmm. Bimmy and the Jephthah. You still probably have no idea who it's about. <laughs> no, they're like, who's Bimmy and the Jephthah? Well, Abimelech, of course. And then a bunch of other people that no one cares about. And named, then you still probably like, who's that? Named Tola and JR. And then a guy named Jephthah. Mm-hmm. All about judges. So here we go. The basic storyline of this section of judges. We're going to deal with one judge, specifically Jephthah, but there's a whole bunch of story that leads up to him and a couple of little judges that really don't have anything to do with anything. So let's start it. Abimelech is the son of Gideon, or Jeroboam, that we talked about last time. And Abimelech, he starts on the, the scene by killing his 70 brothers, because why wouldn't you? Whoa, whoa. Yep. Slow it down. And the way, the way that he does this is he goes to the town that they all live in, and he says, would you rather be ruled by 70 people or just one? And they go, well, just one. So he pays a bunch of random- What, is worth, it, what do they call them, though? Worthless men. He pays a bunch of worthless men, mm-hmm. 70 pieces of silver. And so he pays them 70 pieces of silver and then they go and they kill all 70 of his brothers. It says he hired worthless and reckless fellows. I like it. Yeah. So Scoundrels there's, there's some weirdness to this passage already if you're in the basic storyline because it says that Jeroboam had 70 children. 70 sons, and then he kills 70, but he's still alive, so is someone else. So does that mean they're 72? Or or are they doing 70 to try to link it to something else? That's Mm, a whole other discussion. So so that seems like a code. It's possible that there's something going on there. So the the town then says, oh, well, you killed all your brothers. We're going to make you king. So they make him king, which really isn't for him to declare. It's not for anyone to declare. There's no king yet. This isn't an official title. They just call him king and put him in charge of the town. So then this guy named Jotham, who, Jotham who's his brother, gives a, a mighty prophetic word and then goes and hides because he's kind of like his dad. <laughs> he shows up at night and the Lord yeah. says, this is bad. Okay, I'm going to go hide in the woods now and tell well, everybody. He has like a weird little like the tree said to the fig tree, right? Is that him yeah, that that's does the whole like- the brambles and the tree, yeah. Yeah, it's, I didn't understand it at all. <laughs> We're going to go into that a little bit in the deeper dive okay, good. very, very briefly. But there's a lot of weirdness going on there. But I love that Jotham hides. So he's just like Gideon, right? Well, he just watched this guy kill 70 people, right? Yeah. I, I understand why he's okay, hiding. Okay. I'm not saying he's a pansy. I'm just saying- his dad He's like his father. stood like up and did father, mighty like things. So. He's like, oh, hey, dad, why don't you go talk to them for me? So here is kind of a similar thing. Mm-hmm. So God sends an evil spirit to Abimelech and the leaders, and they have a big falling out. So there's this evil spirit that for whatever reason is now in the town, which 
this is why we did the whole supernatural episode because there's so much stuff going on here that you need to just kind of realize that Judges is full of some really crazy stuff. So this evil spirit causes a, a leader's falling out thing, which is the fulfillment of Jotham's little prophecy. So a guy named Gaal, the son of Ebed, which means uh, Gaal means beetle or dung beetle. <laughs> so neither one is favorable. Legit name, right? Imagine having a kid and you look down on them and you're just like, I'm gonna name you Beetle. Oh, so cute. So maybe he had like a hard exterior uh, that he shed every once in a while. No, <laughs> probably not. So he starts talking trash. Then the guy that's in charge of the town named Zabul passes this note on to Bimmy. So he's he's like, hey, Gaal talk, is talking trash to you, Bimmy. So Bimmy attacks and he kicks Gaal out with Zabul's help. If you're like, I'm not sure what's going on, you need to read Judges chapter 9 and you'll realize that this story is crazy. So kicks him out. And the next day, Abimelech comes in and kills everybody in Shechem because that's what you do. That's what when he does. Right. When you're the king of a nation or a, a city – you're king of a city and they start talking trash about you. You just go and you wipe everyone out because my dad killed the Midianites. So I'm going to do something weird. Sure. And then that doesn't just end there. <laughs> then he goes back to the city and there's a, mi- done? there's a tower that they built in Shechem and this tower is filled with people. So he knocks the tower over and kills everybody else that's left. Yeah. I thought that was a little, little much. Bimmy. Bimmy is a train wreck for sure. Mm-hmm. So he knocks the tower over. He's so confident that he moves against a city called Thebes and does the same thing. But when he approaches the tower in Thebes, something amazing happens. So all the people are hiding up in the tower, they're up on the top, and all of a sudden this woman grabs a millstone, which a millstone is basically, if you've ever watched someone make like old-fashioned tortillas, do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm, they grind it. That little grinder, that's what a millstone is. Mm-hmm. So it's not huge. It's, you know, it could be the size of a little club, but it's made of stone. So she's on top of the tower. Abimelech comes close to the tower, and he's like, I knocked down one tower, I could knock down another. That's, That's what he said? got to be what he sounds like. <laughs> Probably. Bimmy, Bimmy is a bit of a dork. Like, oh, whatever, guys. I could do whatever I want. So she takes the millstone, and she chucks it down, hits him in the head, busts the head open. And now he's laying there like, oh, I'm dying. That's what you sound like when you're mm-hmm. dying. And uh, he goes... Come here, little boy. He has a, a kid walking next to him. That's his armor bearer who's carrying all of his armor. Because mm-hmm. that we, we, we need to some point get back to this. The culture in the ancient times is you would hire a child to carry all of your armor for you into battle. It seems like a great plan. We should do that still today. Can you imagine if, you know, we're gearing up to go to war in Afghanistan? You got little Billy. You, you know, back in the day when we, we first invaded Afghanistan mm-hmm. to take out the Taliban. Can you imagine if every soldier had a little boy walking around alongside him with his body armor? I don't, yeah, that wouldn't fly anymore. No, it would not. So then Abimelech says to his armor bearer, run me through because this woman, she can't be the one that kills me. I, so, love, I just love where he's like, yeah. I go and be killed by no woman. Yeah, I don't want to die from a lady, so kill me, kid. It's way better. So the armor bearer runs him through, kills him. And then the story ends with, and everyone went home. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, now that that's done. That's basically how it ends. So mm-hmm. then, uh, you know, God took care of Abimelech and Shechem in one blow, just like he was. He said he would through Jotham. And so Jotham now is correct and everything's great. That's the end of the story. He's not a judge. I want to be very clear. Yes. Abimelech's not a judge. He's the son of Gideon or Jeroboam. He has problems. 
And then we have two little judges that show up out of nowhere. And I'm going to say little, little because we're not really sure. They could be little. Yeah. Maybe they're not really a big deal in little the story because they're little. Yeah. You know, whatever it might yeah, be. Yeah. They're just little guys. And so they run the show for 23 years, 22 years. And I want you to notice that the ages, that the time of peace for Israel is slowly getting smaller. And as I told you a couple weeks ago, it's going to get all the way down to 20 years for Samson. So just well, kind of. Well, these don't even say necessarily peace. It just says they ruled for that long. That's true. And so in the beginning, it said they had actual rest Correct. or peace. And now it's just saying these are all, yeah, how long they ruled. So they might have ruled in a nasty way, right? Yeah, or they just, yeah, maintained it wasn't, you know, pleasant. The status quo. Yeah. For 22 years or 22. That's good. I like that. So then Ja'ar, uh, one of those judges, had 30 sons on 30 donkeys. I, I think that's very Wild West, you know. Wow, wow, West. Wow, 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 On donkeys. Oh, Can no. Can you imagine? Yeah. In oh, the Wild no. West. Jair's here. Did he bring his sons? He did on all 30 donkeys. Wow, wow, wow. And they all come riding in. Cli- clippity-clop on these tiny little donkeys. It's so not intimidating at all. It's basically the movie Shrek on steroids. <laughs> Stop that. <laughs> it is. It totally is. Tola, we know nothing about, really. I mean, just... Um, his names are fantastic. Yeah, he's the son of Dodo. Well, son of Pua, son of Dodo. Correct, yeah. Son yeah. of Pua, which is a very El Pacino name, right? Pua! That's it. <laughs> hey, Pua! Dodo! That's... <laughs> so maybe maybe that's how Tola was. Maybe he's Al Pacino. Oh, my god. Anyway... So we've got basically nothing on these two. So nothing. they're basically like Shamgar, except Shamgar at least killed 600 people with an ox goat. Yes. These guys didn't do anything except have 30 kids on donkeys. And he, they still get more verses than him. Man. Can you imagine living in a culture where having 30 sons on 30 donkeys is something to like point out? Uh, did, like, you, did, hey. you, did you know about his 30 sons on the 30 donkeys? Wow. I mean, deal. if I had 30 kids today, first of all, good on me, I suppose. Hmm. That's that's a problem in itself. Uh, you know. Even Octomom didn't pull that off. No. And she was years ago. She had octuplets and became a celebrity or whatever. But can you imagine today if it was like, you have 30 kids driving Ford Tauruses? Good for you. Ford That's basically the same concept. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, there, it's like a used car dealership. He's got 30 kids that are riding 30 old used cars. Oh. Gosh, where would you park them all? <laughs> These are great questions. I don't know. I don't have the answer. All right, so that's Jer and that's Tola. They're pretty much ridiculous. So then we move on to Jephthah, the and guy that we told you. he's not ridiculous. He is not ridiculous, but he's ridiculous in other ways. He's very ridiculous. Jephthah is known as a mighty warrior. The word that we would use there is gibor. Uh, in, in Hebrew, gibor, or if you have lots of them, you call them giborim. Ooh, very powerful. Mm-hmm. We're going to get to that in the deeper dive. But here's what uh, Jephthah does. Jephthah beats the Ammonites. And then the Ephraimites, who remember when they, they kind of freaked out with Gideon, like, why did you not invite us to the battle? And Gideon's like, I tried to, but you didn't show up. So the, uh, the Ephraimites show up, and they actually start a civil war against Jephthah, and Jephthah kills a bunch of them off. But before all this starts, Jephthah makes a promise to God, if you allow me to win this battle, I will sacrifice the first thing that walks out of my house. Like, what does he think it's going to be? He's an idiot. That's like my question. Do you really think it's going to be a... A goat? Or like, what do you think is going to be coming out of your house? The point of this story should start with you going, what is going on? Like, no one should make that vow in the first place. Like, if I said the first thing that runs out of my house when I get home from this battle, I'm going to sacrifice. Granted, I don't love my animals, so I'm probably hoping (laughs) 
that the first thing that comes to greet me is my dog. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe at his house he had he's a like, really annoying animal that he's like, when I that, really hope that thing comes to greet me this time. When that hamster runs out on my porch, I'm going to club it to death. <laughs> but of course, the first person that walks out of his door to see him is his daughter. Because why wouldn't your kid come out to see you? Do you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? If you just think it through, like the first time you read this story, you should be thinking everyone's doing what's right in their own eyes, including even the judges. And he's making a really stupid vow. Is he like hoping this is going to sweeten the pot? Like is I he hoping yeah. this is going to bring the victory if he brings a good Yeah. I think the sacrifice? idea here is Jephthah is so desperate he doesn't actually know God but thinks he does. And so he makes a rash vow thinking he's going to be able to figure it out. And it doesn't work for him. Mm-hmm. So he comes home, his daughter walks out, and then he sacrifices his daughter. He only rules six years and he dies. And he should because it's gross. So that's the basic storyline. And now it's time for the deeper dive. So there's a couple of fun things in this story that you mentioned one of them a little bit ago. The bramble and tree uh, idea. Uh, <laughs> I just read it and I was like, what is, what is going on here? <laughs> so starting in verse 12 of chapter 9, the trees said to the vine, you come and rule over us. But the vine said to them, shall I leave my wine that cheers God and men and go hold over, sway over trees? Then all the trees said to the bramble, okay, then you come and reign over us. And the bramble said to the trees, if in good faith you are anointing me king over you, then I will come and take refuge in my shade. But if not, let the fire come out of the bramble and devour the, devour the cedars of Lebanon. And you're like, what in the world is going on? Mm-hmm. So basically, here's the idea. If you remember uh, Gideon, the, the last main you know, EM cast that we did, Gideon was offered kingship. And Gideon says, I'm not your king. Only God can be king. Right? Remember that? Yes. So then they went to the vines. And the vine, no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do this, right? I'm not gonna leave. That's that's basically the idea. So the fig tree, I'm not gonna do it. The vines, I'm not gonna do it. So then they turn to the bramble. Which is like junk, right? Like something you don't want. Yeah, like a like a brush or you know. Okay. If we're sticking with the Wild West theme that we had from a little bit ago. It's that tumbleweed. tumbleweed. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The idea, so you go to the bramble and you're like, Well, you come rain over us, and the bramble goes, sure. You want me to be king? I'd be happy to be king. And so what Jotham is doing here is he's prophesying that basically this is the story. So Abimelech is the bramble. Yep. Okay. Yep. My dad didn't okay. rule you because my dad understood what he was supposed to do. My 70 brothers didn't rule over you because they understood what was right. The one that didn't understand who was right, Abimelech, you're going to let him run the show because he's terrible. You're an idiot. And then wow. we find out that Abimelech really is terrible and he is an idiot. Okay, that's the first part of the deeper dive, the bramble and tree idea. There's a lot going on there, but that's basically the concept. Second thing that I want to talk about in the deeper dive, and we're not going to get into this a ton, but there's the word gibor in Hebrew or giborim, uh, you know, the giborim. The idea here is a mighty man, someone who's capable of doing things that other people aren't able to do. The word is used early in the story of the Bible, way back with Lamech. Okay. So Cain becomes a mighty man. So I guess Cain actually is the first mighty man. He's a, he's a gibor. Cain kills his brother and then is sent off into the wilderness. Cain's son Lamech or offspring Lamech is also called a mighty man. And the idea here is that they're people who are taller than the rest. They're beefier. They're able to do mighty things. So they're, you know, big warrior types. They beat people up and, 
and and ultimately Gibor in the early part of the of Genesis, these individuals kill people all the time. So they have anger issues too, maybe. Yeah. So there's so sort of. I a, guess that would be Cain. Yeah. There's sort of a of play have... on words there, and then you get to Genesis six, which we talked about way back with that supernatural episode. We talked about the Nephilim. It says the Nephilim were the mighty warriors, the mighty kings of old. So the idea there is the same idea, the Gibor, the, these, these individuals, these, the Giborim, these powerful men who are taller than the rest. And there's sort of an indication that there's some supernatural nastiness going on, that maybe they aren't really what they should be, that maybe there's some kind of help that they're getting that they shouldn't have. That's at least the in- indication that you're starting to get from the beginning of Genesis. Then when you move into Judges, it's used of individuals like Samson's going to be a Gibor. Yeah. You follow? Mm-hmm. So the idea is a strong, powerful warrior. And it's, you should kind of stop and think, huh, maybe I don't want those people in charge. I, that's at least part of what we we're starting to see. So Jephthah being this mighty man, this Gibor, you're like, oh, of course they're going to want to follow him because he's a mighty warrior. Why mm-hmm. wouldn't you want to follow him? Uh, and a little bit later, you know, when the Israelites first call for a king, they're going to call for the tallest man in the area, Saul. Yes. And Saul becomes the king. And then along comes this little tiny boy who has a slingshot or a sling and runs up and kills a mighty giant, another Gibor, by the way, right? And little David wins the battle and becomes the king later on. And you go, oh, maybe God has a different idea. So that's part of what we're kind of playing with here a little bit. This idea of Gibor or Gibarim, like we kind of want to raise up the people who we think are going to run the show because they're big and powerful. That's probably not the best idea. Mm-hmm. And, and part of it too is that you need to notice that Jephthah doesn't seem to be led by the spirit. The spirit's upon him, but there's no point in the story where he stops and talks to God. He just kind of does his own thing and he makes a rash vow and kind of just runs around and does his own thing. So you're supposed to kind of notice maybe a Gibor, maybe having one of those isn't the best thing. Now, before I say that like blanket statement and just say, you know, there's no such thing as a good Gibor, that's not entirely true. There are Bible individuals who are powerful men who do great things. David has 33 of them. You know, when you read the end of, of 2 Samuel, you find out that David had three mighty men who ran a group of 33 mighty men, Uriah the Hittite being one of those, which is interesting that he stole the wife of one of his mightiest warriors, mm. which when he puts the mighty warrior to the city wall and gets shot by arrows, you're like, oh, David, what are you doing? Like you're messing this whole thing up. So I just want you to notice that when that word shows up and you see mighty man or mighty warrior, there's a really good chance that the Hebrew word there is Gibor, and it's probably pulling from something much bigger. So interesting. just a thought. And then the last thing for uh, the, you know, the, the deeper dive concept here is I don't think Jephthah is supposed to make this vow. That should go without saying. But the point of the story is even when Jephthah says, the first thing that leaves my house, I'm going to sacrifice the first time I read that, I remember thinking, that's eh, not going to end well for him. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like I immediately thought the first person going to run out of your house when you come back from a battle is probably going to be your wife or your kids or something else. Well, and I just, yeah, I just imagined a person would be running out of the house. Any person. Right. I mean, maybe, maybe he has a other children that he hoped maybe. I don't know. <laughs> He's like, let's get. Let's Mikey, get, Mikey yeah. didn't come along with me on this journey. I kind of hope Mikey comes out. Yeah. Oh, no, daughter. No. Yeah. So I, I mean, I don't, but I just. I guess, or maybe they do have a lot of animals. I don't know. I just was like, what do you think is going to be running out of your house? It's supposed to show you that he doesn't think before he speaks Mm. and that he's not consulting God. So the spirit is upon him, which means God's going to give him power to do what he needs to do. But he's not locked in step with the spirit. He's not doing what the spirit wants him to do. And that should be a huge red flag for us. Yeah. 
it should be a huge red flag for us. And then kind of as a little tag on uh, to the deeper dive, women. They're rocking it again. They are killing it. And judges get it. They are killing They're it. They're killing it. Whether it's JR with this wonderful, you know, temple. JL. JL. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah. I was JR, yeah. the other guy. Uh, JL, she's, she's, you know, hammering people through the, the temple and you're like, sweet. Or you read this lady who's like, I'm going to take this millstone. I'm going to chuck it down the tower. And she kills him. Well, as I heard when we were doing this in Sunday school, the guy said, women killing people with household items. And I was like, it's so true. They're all it's just, unexpected. All just household items. It's unexpected. And it's supposed to make us pause and go, wait, what is going on here? And once again, women are doing something that they need to do because men are screwing it all up. Yep. And it's a beautiful storyline that the women are stepping up and doing what needs to be done. But it, they're, they're, it's almost like this cheeky look at you saying, do you notice what's happening here? Mm-hmm. Like, they're not supposed to be here. They're not supposed to be doing this thing. So what happens? God gives a woman the power to kill the person off. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. And I think it's interesting that the story has clearly been told of Jael because he's Abimelech says don't let me die from this woman yeah right run me through and he's he's saying don't let me die also by the hand of a woman he actually says that that phrase so you're going wait who else is he talking about well he's got to be talking about Jael there's no other way to you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. so the stories are being told they're starting to spread around the region a little bit judges are coming forth people people kind of know what's going on which I think is pretty cool all right let's get Practical, practical. So how do we get practical with this? So here's, right? what, here's what we wrote down. Two, two things that I think are fun to say are practical. The first one is let's not make stupid vows. I, that's, and that sounds basic, but we do it all the time. Like, I swear to God, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. Maybe don't do that. Maybe just say, I'm planning on being there tomorrow. But if you're... You know, I swear to you, I'm going to be there. And then you're driving to your daughter's softball game and you get in a car accident. You're like, oh, I'm not going to make it now. Mm -hmm. I swore that I would. Let's be careful with what we say, which actually the book of James tells us, right? Don't swear by having a right earth by any other means that your yes be yes and your no be no. I plan on being there. That's an easy answer. We can do that. If we're walking around, Lord, let me win this basketball game tonight for my team. The YMCA, it's so important that we, (laughs) we, we need to host this hoist this this golden trophy above our heads and if you give us the victory whatever walks out of my house i'm going to sacrifice to you that's a stupid vow you're an idiot don't do it well but we do stuff like god if you do this then i will yes whatever it might be i'm gonna pray all the time i'm gonna devote my life to you i'm gonna whatever it might be yeah and i think it is the same thing as it is now than it was back then god never asked him to do that no and never even asked him to follow through, actually, either. So I think it's the same thing, yeah, now. He's like, I just want you. I don't want all of your pleas, like, saying you're going to do all of these things. I don't really need any of that. Like, right. just do it. Just actually do it. Which is super practical if you stop and think about it. If he would have been listening to the Spirit, the Spirit would have never told him to make a stupid vow like this. Mm-hmm. Instead, he does what he wants to do. Then, if as his daughter is running out of the house, he would have repented and said, God, I'm an idiot. I should have never vowed that to you. Thank you for giving me the battle. I'm listening to your Spirit now. What do you want me to do? You know that this would have been a moment, probably like Abraham and Isaac, where God might have said, check out all those goats you have over there. Get one. Let's do this. You yeah. know. But he doesn't even consult God at that point. So what's starting to happen here is we're supposed to see Jephthah's really messed up 
and the rest of the people are really messed up because they don't stop this guy. Yeah. There's so much going on that we're supposed to just go, this isn't right, this isn't right, this isn't right. So don't make stupid vows. That's the first practical thing. But also crazy that the daughter is just like, you got to do it. Yeah. Let me go have three years. Is it three years? Let me go spend some time with my friends. I think it's just three days. It might be three days. Let, let me just go spend some time with my friends before you do it. It's just so interesting. <laughs> let me read it. Jephthah came to his home in Mizpah, and behold, his daughter came out to meet him with tambourines and with dances. She was his only child. Oh. Besides her, he had neither son nor daughter. Well, that's what only child means. Thank you, writer. I, and as I soon as he that. saw her, he tore his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, you've brought me very low, because it's her fault. You've been the great cause of great trouble for me, for I've opened my mouth to the Lord, and I cannot take my, back my vow. And she said, Father, you've opened your mouth. Do with me it was according to what your mouth has said, but weep for me and my virginity and allow my companions to do that. So leave me alone for two months that I may go up and, and down the mountains and weep for my virginity. And so they, she went away for two months, and when she came back, he did to her what he said he was going to do. That's just crazy. It's supposed to make you feel icky. Like that's some of that common sense stuff. And it's supposed to you make know? you – yeah, it's supposed to make you feel icky. And it's supposed to make you realize judges is really, really messed up. It's getting worse and worse. And instead of being someone who reads the story and goes, that's how I'm going to make vows to <laughs> You're Please, supposed no. to, you're supposed to read this with a little bit of intelligence and go, oh no, I'm not supposed to do that. So that's huge. And I think the second thing about getting practical would be, uh, let's be the right type of people. Let's be the right type of giborim. Like if you want to be a mighty man, be a mighty warrior for God. There's some great mighty warriors for God who do the right thing in the scriptures. David is one of those. David's mighty men. It's beautiful. But what all of the good giborim have is they are humble. And they're connected to the Lord. They're listening to what he wants them to do. And they accomplish his purposes as opposed to doing their own things. Mm-hmm. Who can say what their number is, what their numbers, Enneagram? <laughs> that was brought to you by Enya. That was pretty good. Nice job. It took me back to art class, sixth grade, Mrs. Asp. ASP. She loved listening to Enya while we did art. And it, so that's good, I'm that pretty, pretty much good. broken from my Enya experience. That was good, though. I liked it. Yeah. All right. Nice job. So what are the numbers we're talking about here? Okay. Well, so let's be real. I don't really know what to do with Abimelech. He's kind of a mess. Um, I mean, I know what he's he's not. He's not a six because he's not super insecure. Um <laughs> He's definitely not a one because a one is very right and wrong. He is real wrong. So, and I, I mean, he's got to be probably like an eight. Got to have that power. A three. One of those where, and obviously to the unhealthy side of them, because you can be healthy and not do these things and be an eight and a three. There's nothing wrong with that. But he is, yeah, he's taken his power and it's gone a little to his head. Mm-hmm. So... I'm thinking he could be a three wanting the glory because that's usually what a a three that can be their like Achilles Mm -hmm. heel is that they they want power. They want glory. They want um, affirmation and people to see and they want the accolades. And and then there's the eight, which the eight is just a challenger and kind of just takes control. So he he could be one of those. But as I said, he would be a very unhealthy one of those. Ugh. He's winging out to a nine, to a nine or a one. 
You have no idea. Seven. Um, now we have Tola. We know far less about him, but I love to speculate. So, so Tola, I mean, just a bummer on his grandpa's name being Dodo. Like, can I you, just am like. Can you imagine man. going out to the city square? My name is Tola. My what? grandfather's name was Dodo. And you're supposed to say that as like a good thing. Well, they probably think maybe maybe it wasn't a bad thing back then, but now Dodo is not a positive name. So no. I think he is a leader that would have stayed under the radar, mm. right? I think he's not going to be a three. He's not going to want that glory. Many people probably didn't even know he was the leader. Like he was one of those leaders where everybody's asking, going like, who's in charge again? Who Who's leading us again? Who's our judge? What's going on here? I mean, he still does, I mean... A decent job, I think, from what the three verses we have. But I just, I imagine him being the one where everybody's like, who is that? Who is that again? Like, they don't even remember. No. He's He just flies under the radar. Still leads. And maybe that is a good leader that doesn't actually know who the leader is. I don't know. But, yeah, they all are like, who? Who is Tola? That one over there? Or is it that one over there? Like, they don't actually know which one he is. So, that's what I think. I also think Jair, um, he either has OCD <laughs> because he's got to have those 30 sons with those 30 donkeys controlling those 30 towns, or he's a nine and he's trying to keep peace amongst his sons. And he's like, you all are going to get the same thing. I will show no favoritism so that there's no quarreling. But his town's bigger than mine. Then we will move that boundary, son. Then I'll give you a larger donkey. Mm-hmm. Billy. So, yep, he needs to keep that peace with his son. He's one of those parents, you know, that keeps, you all are going to get a green thing. You're all getting the same princess shirt. You are all getting, so then they're not sitting there, I want what they've got. I think he was that parent to keep the peace. He's just going to make sure that everybody has the exact same thing. The one you know? who asks McDonald's to give the exact same Happy Meal toy yeah. and all of them. Yeah. Yep. I, I know those parents. So, I think I think he was a nine. I think he... Yeah, was like, I don't even, I've dealt with enough quarreling amongst these sons, and it's not happening. So you're all going to have the same gift for Christmas this year, and it is for Christmas. They would have had Christmas. <laughs> That's great. Um, and it's going to be a donkey. And then your birthday when you turn 16, it's going to be a little section of this town. Okay. Not everybody probably picked up why that was funny. So they wouldn't have had Christmas because Jesus hasn't been born uh-huh. yet. So I love that you caught yourself and did that. But most of the people on the podcast might have been like, why is that so funny? <laughs> this is this is a thousand or more years <sighs> before Jesus was born. And I was like, born, they're not going to have Christmas. Which is so great. They were celebrating Christmas before he was even born. That's amazing. They should have been. Amen to that, sister. Right. What about Jephthah? Oh, Jephthah. Well, let's be... Okay. So he's the father of a mighty warrior, and his mother's a prostitute, and all of his brothers drove him away because of that. Sounds like a winning combination. Right? Like, they were like, you are not one of us. Get out of here. So they did. They drove him away. But then they wanted him back, which is interesting. So I think he's a four. Fours usually are more emotional of I think they're the most in tuned with their emotions out of all of the out of all of the numbers um he's been crazy wronged in his childhood he's been abandoned you know and he's got some of that like pent-up victimization that's also kind of what a 
what a four does with a lot of their emotions is they become the victim. And he, he's probably emotional if you ask him about his childhood. So in that town, I imagine that was something you just steered clear of. You don't ask him those questions about what it was like growing up or what are his parents like or any of that. Probably didn't ask him about his brothers either because he would probably get to crying or, you know, something, something bad would happen. So I think he probably had a little sass too when his brothers came back and asked him to leave. So his brothers come back and they're like, can you lead us? And I imagine he was like, don't you hate me? You thought it was gross and like, I'm not good enough to be with you. Like, I imagine he came with a little bit more sass than maybe what is shown here. I like your version of his voice. That should <laughs> like, stick. Yeah. Don't you hate me? Kind of like a taxi driver. Don't you think I'm gross? Chip on his shoulder. I like yep. it. I, I like think, it. Oh, I think he's got a big chip on his shoulder. Um, like, do you hear? He really just wants to be loved and accepted. And he's like, but you really want me to be a leader? So like, he's like the angry thing, but then he's like, oh, really though? You want me? You really want me? So you think he's doing well, because it actually did say that the spirit of the Lord was upon him. And you're like, wow, maybe we're turning turning the ship around in Israel. And then he gets just a little too excited. He's letting those emotions sway him again to the other side. And lets those emotions take over, and he offers his daughter as a sacrifice. Spoiler. <laughs> yeah, that gets rough. I think his emotions kind of, yeah, they just got in the way. He's really annoying to got be around. Hasty. Yeah, I mean, if you don't, yeah, as a four, if you don't kind of start to really understand your emotions, mm -hmm. it is, you are kind of a wreck to be around. As we all, actually, as every number is, if they don't start to become healthier. So right. they all can kind of be hard to be around at times. So those are what I'm thinking. Well done. I feel like I'm learning something every week. <laughs> that you forget when you leave. No, I know there's nine numbers. Look at that. So I've learned things. Yep. Okay. All right, let's get on with that yam spot. Yam spot. A little bit of help for those that potentially are doing youth ministry. And by youth ministry, I mean young adult ministry. Well, it's all the same. It I, is. I really do think that youth ministry and young adult ministry are kind of all connected because what a lot of people that age are trying to do is figure out who they are and where Flowing. they, where they mm -hmm. fit. and. They're looking for value. They're looking to belong. They want to be known. So along that lines, one of the ways that you can help a ton, and this is good for youth pastors and for young adult, you know, leaders, college pastors, whatever you whatever you do, is try to create a group in which everyone's able to use their gifts. Uh, you know, we talk through disciple making a lot here at this church. We, uh, you know, we subscribe to a number of different concepts of disciple making not the least of which is if Jesus did ministry a certain way as far as making disciples who make disciples who make disciples, we should probably follow in his footsteps in that way. Mm -hmm. And one of the things Jesus does and set, sets us up is he shows us everybody has a place and they have a, a role, they have things that they can do. And so when you go to like Ephesians 4, for example, it says that the church was given apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to do what? I think everybody kind of thinks that those are the individuals that do all the work and we all the just pastor. sort of absorb, which comes back to, you know, sort of the understanding of what, what we do. If you work for a church, people have this idea in their head of what it's going to look like or what it's going to feel like. But the truth is our job, you know, as a pastor is not to make everybody else's life easier. Our job is the next verse to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, mm -hmm. for building up the believers and to, for building up the body of Christ. So the idea is that 
we as, as ministry leaders are meant to encourage and build up individuals and then put them in a place where they're going to succeed. So if you've got someone who's really, really artsy, they should be involved in stage design. They should be involved in, you know, helping design the, the flyers for the trip, or they should be involved in helping create posters or what, like whatever you're doing, let the artsy people do it. Don't try to do it all yourself. Yeah. You think that you were hired to like cover all this ground. No, let someone else who's amazing do it. You don't have a great voice. Well, fantastic. Someone else does. They should be pulled in and, and brought into the praise team. You know, you should have someone who loves making people's lives easier. You should have somebody who loves hospitality. They should be the people that are greeting people at the door and signing them up for the, for the event and finding ways to make the event great. So the overall idea here is if you have people in your midst and, in, you know, in the church we call it a spiritual gift, if the spirit has given someone a spiritual gift, they should have a space where they're able to practice that spiritual gift in the church and make the church better. Your job as a leader isn't to do all the stuff. Your job as a leader is to raise those people up, train them, disciple them, give them access to what it looks like to do whatever it is, and then release them to go do it. And sure, they can come back and check with you and see if it's right. But this is a biblical concept that I think a lot of us miss. We get so worried about trying to like uh, show people that we're valuable and we want to we want to belong, we want to be known, that we leave out the fact that there are other people that need to be known and need to need to belong. So I like to say a lot of times, and this kind of all ties together, and you can speak to this. Uh, we do, we always talk about the church of tomorrow. We should treat everybody, even young people, like they're the church of today. There is no, we don't have to wait till they're thirty to give us value. Like mm-hmm. they can totally jump in. So like James, for example. James has a, an ability and sound and stuff like that. He's really, really good at thinking things through. And he's artsy in some ways and loves doing videos and stuff like that. So he was a natural choice for us to ask if he would ever consider producing a podcast. And he's doing mm-hmm. a great job. And I don't know what I'm doing. I would have no idea what I'm doing. You would have no idea what I you're doing. I have no idea. So we're letting him do it. Mm-hmm. And he's doing a great job. I mean, it just reminds me of in Corinthians where they talk about the body and all parts of your body need to be working for everything to work properly. I mean, as he kind of says, like, your whole body can't be a nose. And you can't wish as one, like, your nose can't say, I wish I was an eye, because then something would be missing. And it's the same thing in the church. We need everybody to be doing what they are supposed to be doing, what they're supposed to be bringing to the table, so that we can more fully be the body of Christ. Otherwise, we are missing things. So... If you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, if you're not doing your giftings, if you're not doing your talents, then, yeah, the church is kind of suffering in a way. They are missing something that is essential. So I think sometimes we we look at somebody else's gifting and we see that it's better or because it's maybe up front. I don't know. But, um, but all parts are needed to make it all flow and make it all work and um, – and I think some of so I think we put a little too much pressure too on like maybe trying to figure out what that is. What is my gift? What is my talent? And some of it is just figuring out what are you passionate about? What do you actually enjoy doing? What comes easy to you? Those are the, your giftings. Those are your talents. And yes, they do label some of them and list them out in in scripture, and those are valid too. But some of it is just I love talking with people. Well, then maybe you need to host you know, some small groups or maybe you need to do some one-on-one discipling or whatever it might be. So mm-hmm. I think it's just knowing what you are good at and actually asking to be put somewhere too. So right. not waiting, because this was always my thing too, is waiting for somebody to see it and put me in that position. And I had to, sometimes you have to advocate for yourself. So, And if you have a gift that you don't think is being used well, 
talk to your leader and see what you can do to, to be a part of it. You know, I think it's amazing that in the story of Exodus, when they're building the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant, these are two individuals who are empowered by the spirit to be great craftsmen. So there are gifts that aren't normal. <laughs> There's, you, you're, there might be something that you have access to because God has given you this talent that nobody knows how it plugs in quite yet. But give it time and find a way to make sure that it, it fits in somewhere or, or insert yourself in the situation and say, here's what I think would be really good and let it start to grow. Mm-hmm. Well, and even with that, when they were doing the tabernacle, they'd be like, go to this these people because they are good with this mm-hmm. or go to these people because they have this, which I thought was great too, to bring everybody actually together to make it happen. Not just here's your group of five and you've got to build this whole thing for everyone. It was everybody is going to contribute to make this thing happen. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Yamcast. You can check us out at yamcast.podbean.com or on any other podcasting apps like iTunes. We would love it if you'd leave us a review that is any number between four and a half and five stars. If you have any questions that you'd like us to answer here on the podcast, you can email us at yamcastpod at gmail.com. That is yamcastpod at gmail.com. If you'd like more information about us, you can check us out at parkhillschurch.com or on the App Store with the Park Hills Church app. We are also on Instagram, so give us a follow at The Yamcast. Catch my KitchenAid. Douche.